Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. Good morning. All right. We're feeling good. We're feeling good this morning. Welcome those of you guys who are online as well. Uh, for you are guests here. I'm glad you're here. We are in a conversation, and uh, it's one. It's got to be. It's got to be one of the toughest conversations or talks that I've done. I got to tell you, because we're talking about doubt. We're talking about doubt. And if you've been keeping up with us, we've been talking about this idea that man, there's some of us, and honestly, there's a lot of us. We get into a place where we really have serious doubts about who God is. And uh, so we started first week. We started about uh, talking about does God care is God a loving God and I think for all of us we go through seasons you're like I don't even know if he cares anymore like have you ever had a thought like I think God's forgotten me like like he was like oh you all look the same I forget I don't know who you are you know what were you about like have you ever found yourself having to pray and then when you pray you go hey this is me you know and then you detail all the stuff like in case you didn't get the memo I'm going through a lot of stuff and so we, we have serious doubts about that. And then, so, so then we, uh, we start talking about, uh, is Jesus the only way? That was last week. And so today, today, I just thought we'd just take it up a notch. Let's talk about hell and heaven. Yes, you're like, hell, that's awesome, name. I invited someone. Wow, wow, wow. In your mind, you're thinking, what the hell? Are you doing, right, right? What are you doing? What are you doing? I know, I know. We don't like using the word hell. We don't, right? But we use it all the time. There's so many phrases. Have you noticed that? Like, no, there's so many phrases connected to hell. Now, I could go through it. Some of you guys are like, it's too early in the morning. I do not want to hear cussing early in the morning, okay? But we don't have a lot of phrases for heaven. The only closest uh, phrase we have for, for heaven is like, heaven's no, which I don't know who uses that. Grandpa's or... Grandmas, I don't know, heavens, no, who but we have all kinds of expressions for hell. And I got to tell you, I came into the faith uh, as an adult, and so I realized really quick that Christians do not like using the word hell. We do not like it. We have another word for hell, which is heck. Heck. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, I, I, I was learning, I'm learning this like, stuff. I was like, wow, heck. Okay, heck. And then I found out that heck has a cousin named Frick. Did you guys know that? I didn't know this. And then a distant uncle called Dang It. Right? But you, right? You have all those. Some of you guys are like, what is he talking about? Others of you are like, oh my goodness. I cannot believe I invited someone. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I know it's a tough conversation talking about hell. So here's the thing. The title of this sermon is, um, Why Does God, a Loving God Send People to Heck? Okay, that's, that's going to be the conversation. Now, I, I, bring, I bring humor to this because, wow, hell is a big subject. 
right? We all grew up with expressions of what heaven or hell or the afterlife would look like. And so for some of us, we go, you know, I don't know if I even want to talk about this. And others of us, I think it's so important, and that's why I'm doing this, uh, these series of talks, is because there are some underlying things we believe about God. And even though we don't like talking about it, they inform who we are, and it shapes our character uh, and his character to us. Like, there are serious questions and serious doubts that people have about, well, how can a God allow this, or how can a God send this? And you grew up in maybe in a faith that says, you know what, you know what, people in the, in the, in the afterlife, if they don't believe in Jesus, they're going, to be, they're going to spend the rest of their existence being tortured in heaven. Because if you grew up with a certain kind of denomination or just a certain kind of theology, you know that you don't just die in heaven, you are reborn again and again so God can basically um, uh, torture you again and again and again and again for eternity. And for some of you, you've heard this and you dismissed it. So one thing it does, it either changes your view of who God is, which means God cannot be that loving, or you go, you know what, I'm not quite sure if the Bible is even true, and I'm, we don't even know, so you just dis, disguard the whole thing. Now, I grew up in a Muslim faith, and we have ideas of who, you know, who gets to heaven, who gets, does not get to, to heaven, which I don't know if you know this, but uh, in, in Islam, uh, everybody pretty much gets to heaven eventually. Okay, some people have to do a lot of push-ups. But anyways, they, they, you get to heaven. You get to heaven, okay? You get to heaven, but only two groups of people do not get to heaven. Now, if, you're, if you grew up Muslim or if you know anything about Islam, you know. Two groups. The first group are the Jewish people. All the Jews do not get to heaven. They just don't. And the other group are people who grew up Muslim and then converted. We're called infidels, and we will not get, we're called coffers, if that's the, is the Arabic word, we will not get into heaven. And so maybe you grew up with not a Muslim faith, maybe a Buddhist faith, maybe a Hindu faith, maybe a, a, a Christian faith that says you can, certain people get in and certain people not, do not get in. And there are, there are the ways to get to heaven. So let me just jump in and let's just figure out what you kind of maybe grew up in. Maybe you grew up in this idea that first of all, hell Hell is a place, it's a real place, and um, people who are not saved go there. And being saved is confessing that Jesus is Lord, repenting of your sins, and then you get to heaven. Hell is also final. It's final. There's no, there's no uh, you know, take backs. Once you get in there, you're stuck there. And then you are tortured forever. Forever. The fire, in a sense, never goes out, right? Your roommates are all demons. You think your roommates right now are terrible? No, you don't just wait. You wait. And you live your life, again, based on some of the things you've done here on earth. If you get in there, that's it forever. And then heaven was a place, heaven was a place that saved people go. People who have confessed that Jesus is Lord. He's, they've said the prayer, they're in, they get in. It happens. You don't necessarily lose your salvation. Some denomination says well, you might lose your salvation, but that's a whole different talk. But heaven is a place you get there. And then there are prizes, there are rewards, there are mansions, there is gold, streets of gold, and there are crowns, people, in heaven. Maybe you grew up with that kind of heaven. Also, also heaven is where we worship forever. 
We're going to get there and we're just going to worship forever. Which for some of you, you're like, I love it. And for others of you, they'll be like, that is my personal hell. Like, oh my gosh. I get already frustrated if they go, let's sing that song again. No, let's not sing that song again. We get it. God is good. Get it. We got it. We got that. And so when you hear ideas of we're just, we're just going to worship forever, people are like, oh, God, no. Please, are we going to take a break? Whew. Are we going to do this? Yeah. So we all have these ideas. And I just want to tell you that Christianity and other religions as well, they've taken their clues on what the afterlife is going to look like based on just different traditions and throughout, you know, all of the history of humanity. They've also been influenced by major works of literature like, like Homer's Odyssey or Dante's Inferno. There's also been a lot of uh, Buddhist teachings or um, I should say actually Hindu teachings concerning what the afterlife looks like, what reincarnation looks like, what resurrection looks like. It's confusing. So why am I talking about this? The reason why I'm talking about this is because deep down in your heart and your soul, there's this idea that there's a God out there who, if I don't do this, or if people don't do this, will send them to a certain place. And how can I, how can I totally love a God like that? For some of us, you've just been told, hey, just believe, just have faith. You are not supposed to doubt God's love because you don't know. You don't know how big he is. You don't know uh, his reasoning and his thoughts are bigger than yours. And you just got to believe. But at some point, what happens is, is that life hits us and we just have serious doubts. And this series, this conversation is important because we have to give voice to our doubts. See, the, the faith that God wants you to have, the belief that God wants you to have, is not based on religion or doctrine. He wants you to trust him because he's inviting us into a relationship. And if there is a relationship that is deep, it's a if there's a relationship that is, is, um, is, is, is worth something and will last... That relationship needs to allow all kinds of conversations. It needs to allow people going, I don't know about this, and let me talk about this. You see, so that's why, that's why I've, I'm convinced that doubt does not need to lead to disbelief. It leads to a deeper belief in God, a deeper trust in God. So when it comes to heaven and hell and the afterlife, I think we, are, we can jump in here. And look at some of the scriptures and just go, okay, this is where we kind of have misinterpreted some things. This is some, this is some areas that we need to totally reject. And then maybe there are other things that we just need to continue to wrestle with. And you know what the difference between shallow water and deep water or the shallow end of a pool versus the deep end of a pool? How do you know the difference? When you can't touch the, the bottom. We can't touch the bottom. So these conversations, you know they're deep when all of a sudden the bomb goes out. All of a sudden you're like, hold on, what are we standing on? I don't know. We're floating. I don't know. I don't know. But that's a deeper conversation. That's a deeper idea of who God is when you find yourself treading water knowing that I can just trust. I don't need something to bank on. And for what happens is sometimes we end up as Christians Believing something that's extremely shallow because we just need a floor to stand on. And that, my friends, reshapes who God is. And in light of this conversation, I just want you to know I'm taking you to deep water. If you find yourself going, I don't know what I'm doing. I promise I won't let you drown. But I will tell you what the conversation 
is a place where you go, I think at the end of this talk, you're going to think, this was the waste of time. Or I have no idea what he's talking about. Or, okay, so we're back at square one. I don't know where it's going to take us, but it's going to be fun. Okay. <laughs> Let's jump in. Let's jump in. So the first passage that talks about the afterlife is actually found in Daniel. Daniel's in the Old Testament. And here's what it says. Daniel 12.2 says, Many sleeping in the ground will wake up. Some will wake up to live forever, but others will wake up to be ashamed and disgraced forever. It's the first reference. This idea of what the afterlife could look like. So there's this idea that, hey, possibly there are people who are sleeping, which means they die in this form, but then there, there is a then there is a um, coming back to life again. That's the first idea. So we people, people go, you know what, I think that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be. But then it says they'll be uh, wake up to shame and disgrace forever, which is not like the whole fiery pit situation. So why is that in here? I don't, I'm not quite sure, but this is the first time. See, people think hell is a reality, like as in, as in it is created for people. We, we believe that. So, so, is it created for people? Um, and, can some, uh, and do people just end up there? Well, here's what's fun, interesting. In Matthew, Matthew 25, Jesus is saying this. He says, then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal, what? Eternal what? Fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus is telling a story He's making up a story, but then he says, hey, 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 this will cause people to end up in a place that's not created for them. So heaven is not necessarily created for people uh, at all. Depart from me, he says. Then heaven, what about heaven? Heaven, we go, heaven is a place on earth. Someone told us that, right? A song, no, not true, okay? But heaven is a place that's created. Created. Is it? I'm not quite sure. This is, this is interesting. What, 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 what does God want us to experience? You see, heaven is not necessarily a place. In fact, it's, it's, it's a place because it's God's presence is there. It, it's not necessarily a place that God created, but it, God wants us to be there, which is interesting. You're like, what, what do you mean? You, I, what I mean is, is that we think of a location, and it's not necessarily that at all. At all. Acts um, 17, can I read this to you? This is the kind of like the heart of God. Acts 17, Paul writes this. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man, he created every nation of men that they would inhabit the whole earth, and he determined times set for them and exactly places where they should live. God did this so men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As if some poets have said, as some of your poets have said, we are his offering. Now, I'm not sure if you got this, but Paul is talking about this reality that there is a God out there that wants us to be reconnected with him. And so the afterlife is more about us reconnecting to him 
and finding our true identity and true relationship with him more than it is going to a certain geography. You see, as people have said, I mean, people, big, I mean, not big people, um, like scholars and people who are so much smarter than me, they've come to a point where they realize that, you know what, when it comes to heaven and hell, it's not necessarily a geographical location. It's more of a, um, it's another dimensional reality. In fact, um, N.T. Wright uh, who is one of the people I would trust, in, in, especially in conversations like this. N.T. Wright uh, is a scholar. He wrote a book called Surprised by Hope. And uh, it's really helped me understand who God is in light of this conversation. So I highly recommend it. But here's what I want to do. What I want us to move us from is, is that what you might have heard about heaven and hell, all of those things, all of those things, have something to say about how you are living your life right now. And so what I was thinking about, I I thought, man, I could just list off all the different verses and all the different thoughts out there. Or could we talk about something? uh, Could we have a deep conversation about could your belief in heaven or hell or the afterlife be affecting the way you live right now? And as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what? If it's actually so true, it's so true that some of us, we live our lives thinking, you know, the whole John Lennon song, right, that came out? Imagine there is no, what, heaven? Okay, some of you guys don't know. I know it's 1971, but yes, it's old. But imagine, okay, don't make me sing this. Do not make me sing this song. Imagine there's no heaven. Wait, that was it. That's it. That's all That's all I got. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, right? I mean, like, there's this idea that, you know, let's just throw everything away. Let's throw everything away. No, I don't think we need to do that. But our lives are shaped by heaven and hell and what we believe. So let me give you some categories. I think the first category is I believe that some of us have put our hope in hell. And you're like, what? Yeah, you are being shaped by your hope in hell. And I think I've found myself in places like that too. What, what does it look like for you to put your hope in hell? Let me give you a couple of words. First word is this idea of retribution. See, some of us desperately need hell to exist. And you know this. You need judgment. You need a place of punishment because there's been things that have done to you and you're like, there better be a moment. If it doesn't happen in this world, there's better be a moment where some when people who have done some evil things to the world or to me, they need to get punished. You see, some of us desperately need a hell to exist because it's about retribution. We need to, things to be made right. We believe that there's every sin has a consequence and every, God has got to, to, to deal with and react to every sin that we do. And so we believe it. We, we, we say, you know what, we need this. We need this. And we judge everybody's sin. The problem with that is, is when you put your hope in hell and you live a life of retribution, like you believe that there needs to be a reckoning, you end up, you end up living a life of pride and comparison. You live a life basically, that's when 
spirituality and your relationship with God actually becomes a religion because now you have put your faith in your self-righteousness. When you put your hope in, in hell, you, so, you, know, you go, you know what, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to get there, but some people need to. I mean, I sin, but not everybody sins. And I, not, you know, not everybody sins like me. Like I, I do small sins, and there are people who do some really terrible things. You see, when we think of people, even, even leaders right now, I mean, pe- people always go to the, the person, historically Hitler, right? We always go, he's our go-to guy, right? But then we can think of so many other people as well. Why? We, we need retribution. We need hell to exist. And some people believe that they really need that. Because why? Because hell is where you, uh, is the, is where you g- feel good about the kind of life you have lived. Because some of us are living a life and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm not doing a lot of things that I could be doing. And I, I just need to make sure that the people who are doing the things that are not good and th- people who are getting away with it don't get away with it. I mean, I understand judgment. I understand um, justice. But do you think you're living a life you need hell to exist so badly because you need retribution. And if it's not retribution, maybe, maybe, just maybe, you need a life that um, reduces sin. Like you grew up with an idea that God hates sin. Like he hates it so bad. He hates it so bad. And he, 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 he gets angry at sin so bad. And that's why he made hell. And he, pun- he wants to punish, punish sin so bad. Like the deepest thing, the most emotional um, feeling that God has is against sin. He hates it. And that's why he created a place and he will send people there and will torture them forever. You see, if you put your hope in hell, you believe that. Maybe some of you have been taught that hey, you know what? Yes. And so what happens is you don't just live this idea, of, uh, uh, this idea of retribution. You always live a life of reducing, like reduction. A life of not just retribution, but reduction. What, what that means is you are trying to reduce sin in your life. That is your biggest goal. That is what you grew up with. That's what you've been told. If you just reduce your sin, like you know how some of us are trying to reduce our carbon footprint? Some of you guys are like, if I just reduce my sin footprint, I'm good to go. And theologies and denominations and churches and communities are set up. All they care about is stop, like just sin less. Just sin less. That's it. Just, just stop doing that. And what, what does that mean? That means you put your hope in a hell. Why? Because every sin is going to be accounted for. There's going to be a retribution. What, what, what's the problem with that? You're like, name, that, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is, is that you forever changed John 3.16. If you don't know John 3.16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. If you change it based on your, your hope in hell, it would be, for God so hated sin, so he killed his son. For you. Like he hated sin so bad. He couldn't stand it so bad. That someone had to die. 
And so he killed his son. Or his son stepped up. So do you, do you understand what's happening here? When you believe that, you believe that God is an abusive father who gets such rage when it comes to sin that he strikes. And his, the son comes in and protects humanity from this God who is angry. So his son comes and says, I'll die for them so your anger can be stopped. Did you, grow, did you grow up with that? Did you grow up with a God who's like, we did. Some of us grew up with writings talking about, uh, you know, hand, you know, humanity, a man, a, 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 you know, a sinner at the hands of an angry God. I mean, there are actually books out there like that. The re, that underlines this idea of like, we live our life trying to just reduce. Why? Because we have put our hope in hell. Now, as I'm talking about this, some of us might be thinking, well, name, just tell people, just tell people, this is the way, this is not the way. And I got to tell you right now, okay, when I first became a follower of Jesus, I had no problem telling people they were going to hell. I had no problem with that. It was very clear. I was, I was, I was touching the ground when it came to this. I was in the shallow waters, in a sense. I, just, I was very clear, very clear. And you might think, oh, yeah, that's what you're supposed to be. Here's, here's the problem. I, I remember the, 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 the first time I told my mom that she was going to hell. My dad was going to hell because they grew up Muslim. Looking at them saying, yeah, you're going to hell. Have you ever told your mom? Not just, just to go to hell. Not that. No, have a sit-down, serious conversation about that. And so I find myself going now, 20 years later, I'm not as comfortable talking about that and not as comfortable assigning people to hell anymore. But what I do know is that you and I can live this life putting our hope in hell, living out a Christianity, living out the teachings of Jesus, and it's, it's about reducing sin and it's about retribution. And that's it. And that's why some people leave a relationship with God, leave Christianity, and walk away. Because unknowingly, they have put their whole theology, they put their whole relationship with God, with, with hope in hell, versus a hope in heaven. Now, hope in heaven changes your idea of what the afterlife looks like. A hope in heaven starts off knowing, number one, um, I'll give you two more R words because it is a disease. It's, it's a disease. I got I to gotta do all the R's. Okay, I could have gone with H, right, for hell, but no, it's not that bad. The disease is not spread, okay? It's only, it's only it's, it's R. Let me give you that word, and that is resurrection. Here's what you can count on, that there is going to be a resurrection. You might go, like, what does that mean? I'm not quite sure, but there is some kind of a resurrection, Here's, um, here's what's interesting. Our resurrection, First uh, Corinthians says this. says, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are, more, we, are, we are more to be pitied than anyone in this, what, world. Paul is saying, hey, I just want you to say, I just want to say this, is that I believe in the resurrection. He says, our teachings, all the stuff that's going on here, if the kind of life God is calling us to live, if, if, if it's only about 
this life, then we are most pitied. Like we should stop doing it. In fact, if you read this chapter, he talks about the afterlife and the resurrection so much. See, what he's doing here is he's basically setting it up that says, hey, listen, I just want you to know something that there is not necessarily kind of like a focus on a reckoning or retribution. There is a resurrection. There is an afterlife. There is this mystery of people falling asleep and raising up, coming back to life again. There is that mystery because Jesus did that himself. When Jesus died and rose again, it was a picture of what would happen to humanity in this existence. Now, I know it's complicated, but all I can tell you is that again and again and again, the scriptures point to this. Now, you might go, I'm not quite sure if it's clear or not. I know, I know. Here's the thing about this subject, heaven and hell. There are scriptures out there. There There are clear scriptures, and they're like signposts, right? They're signposts, and they point to something. You know what they point to? A fog. They point to a fog. They're like, hey, very clear, go this way. Where, what's in there? I don't know. We can't tell you, can't tell you. But what we do know is that there is some kind of resurrection. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, uh, uh, 58, Paul reminds people, encourages people. He says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Here's what he's saying. Hey, hey, you know those of you who've made some really good choices, some right choices, and they've cost you? They've cost you in this life. You know that your, 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 your siblings or your brother or your, uh, uh, your neighbor or your coworker, you know, they've kind of, kind of went around the system and they kind of figured out the, their way to do this. You know those people who've kind of got to where they want to go and you know it's full of uh, maybe lies, betrayal. There's all kinds of deceit going on. There's manipulation going on. You know all those people, all those people. You know the, the, there are people who just get away with just doing mediocre work and you're busting it and you're making it happen. I just want you to be encouraged, encouraged, encouraged because there is a resurrection coming. That your work is not in vain. For the, so for some of you who've made choices in your life and you, it's costing you a relationship. It's costing you your timetable of where you want to go in life. He just says, hey, I just want to encourage you. I want to give this to you, that there is a resurrection. So keep doing the right things. Keep doing this. Because when you put your hope in heaven, you put your hope in a resurrection. That there is something that's going to come back to life. It's a combination of all the things. God is going to make all things right. And you and I need to understand this. Revelation 21, again, a very clear passage pointing to a fog, right? Here's what it says. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Because the first heaven and earth had disappeared and the sea was gone. Then I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of the heavens, dressed like a bride ready for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, God lives with humans. God will make his home with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and they and, and be their God. In verse 4, I love this. He says, and he will wipe, help me out with that. He will wipe what? Every tear from their eyes. There will, won't be any more death. There won't be any grief, crying, or pain because the first things have disappeared. This, friends, is the first thing. The first thing has disappeared. Again, alluding to a resurrection. And then it says, verse 5, And the one sitting on the throne said, I'm making, I'm making, help me out, I'm making what? Everything 
new. He said, write this. These words are faithful and they are true. So one thing I can count on, one thing I can count on is that there will be a resurrection. You know, one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite movies of all time is Gladiator. Anybody remember Gladiator? Okay, there are so many cool lines in there, but one of the best lines is what? Help me out if anybody knows it. What we do in life, what we do in life, who knows it? Who knows it? Yell it out. Echoes in eternity. Matters, live. No, it's echoes. Hello. It's echoes in eternity. It's so true. It's so true. But it's not just that. See, what you can also count on when you put your hope in heaven is not just resurrection, but also redemption. See, redemption is a deeper work of justice. This, the, uh, redemption is a work, more work of reckoning. It's, it's not just punishing people for their sins. It's not you getting what's coming to you. It's God transforming you. It's God doing a work. See, justice in this world is not, in our society, it's not just that the right people get punished for the right amount of crimes. No, no. Justice is deeper than that. Justice is, 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 is equity among people. Justice is making things right. Justice is, is reclaiming something that was lost. Justice is this idea of like making things what they, what they were actually supposed to be. So when God says, I'm go, you can believe in a resurrection, he is also saying you can believe in a redemption. That is what I'm going to do. So you, I'm going to redeem some of you. See, some of us have lived in the shame and the guilt of some sins that cannot be resolved here on earth. You know this. No one is going to forgive you of those. You know that. But you live in this idea that God won't forgive you either. And that damages your soul. I remember years ago being in a parking lot after the church service and this lady that I saw the, that morning, uh, she came back around and, and uh, walked up to me and she was like, hey, I just need to, uh, can I just talk to you? And she, I said, yes, yeah, sure. And she said, hey, for, for um, she, she said this, she finally was like, my dad committed suicide and I, I can't get it out of my mind that he's in hell. And I've wrestled with this for like two years now. And he goes, and I go, who told you he was in hell? Like her, her believing that has caused her now to live in hell. I mean, I know there are people who go, no, no, I, there are belief systems that say that people in the weakest moment do something, then forever they're going to be tortured for it. What kind of God is that? How can you believe in a God like that? See, no, no, God is a God that tells you, hey, put your hope in heaven. Number one, there's going to be a resurrection. There is life after this. I can't tell you the, the details, but I will also tell you this. I'm going to redeem everything. I'm going to make everything new again. And so I don't know if this talk helps with you. Right? You're like, okay, I don't know what that means. What that means is, is that if you live your life always focused on not sinning, not sinning, and you focus your life on always everybody needs to get what's coming to them. If you believe that, then friends, you have put, and I have put my hope in hell. But if, if I believe that there will be a resurrection, that there will be redemption at the end of this life, then I've put my hope in heaven.
And so people can argue humanity will go on after all we're gone, continue to try to figure out what the afterlife looks like. But what matters is, is that how does our view of God and the afterlife shape what's happening right now? And that's what we have to focus on. And Paul says it so clearly. This is the last verse, and this is the best, the best I can do here. And here's what he writes. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. He says, we don't yet see things clearly. Okay, how many of you can agree to that, right? He says this, we're what? We're squinting in a what? Fog. Merely uh, appearing, appearing through a mist. But it won't be long. It won't be long before the weather clears up and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. We see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, but for right now, he says, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. So three things. Number one, he says, trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly and love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. You see, friends, I think what God wants us to know is that one day we'll see. But for right now, we have to put our hope in heaven. And we have to live as citizens of heaven. And that's why this passage is one of the founding passages for us as a church. You know, our, our mission is to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus, which is why we're having this conversation, because I want to rebuke, in a sense, it's a, it's a spiritual word, I want to shut down, I want to take out, I want to remove this, this toxic view that you have grew up in about God and how God, God's character is, that there's a God out there who, would, who hates sin so much that he killed his son. No, God so loved sin. No, no, loved not sin, hello. Loved us that he gave his son. I want you to know this. God loves you more than he hates your sin. God loves you more than he hates your sin. Again and again and again and again. And that's why he's calling us to live, put our hope in heaven. So what does it look like for you and us to do that? For some of us, it's this. Hey, just know, just know that the right things you're doing right now, they're going to pay. They're going to pay out. They're going to work. I know. It's not, it might not be in this world, in this dimension, but it's going to. Hey, and don't, don't, don't live in fear. Don't live in fear that every time you sin or every time you do something, you're, now nah, you're back to hell. Don't do that. Don't do that. And the people that you're like, what about them? What about them? What about them? What about this person who died? And what about this, my uncle? And what about this person? And what about this? What about this? Here's what you need to do. You can trust that person to a God who loves you, who loves, who loved them more than you ever did. Think about that. You can trust people and their future to a God has, who has had never a moment 
that he did not have grace for that person? How many of you have looked at a person you loved the most and had no grace for them? There's been moments you're like, I love my kid, but I'm going to kill him. <laughs> right? God has never had that with anyone. You can trust the future of your loved ones to a God who is more loving, more gracious, more patient than you and I will ever be. Ever be. Why do I believe that? Because I have not placed my hope in hell. I have placed my hope in, in heaven. In heaven. And, and Jesus is, is, is asking us to be in that kind of relationship. To put our hope in that kind of God. So can I pray for you? Lord God. As we talk about this, there's so many questions. God, even right now, I'm thinking of all the things I could have said and addressed. And Well, what about this? And what about th that verse? And what about that verse? And what about this? And what about that? God, it, it, is, it, is, it is confusing at times. It's confusing to know. But then what, what is really clear is that you did it on purpose. So clearly... Clearly, you, just, you do not want us to know the ins and outs of what's going to happen. But God, what you do want us to do is to live a life, live an existence, live to be the people we were meant to live to be, created to be. You have given us this focus of making sure we put our hope in heaven. So God, my prayer is that as we lead our families, that we would not teach them to, to, to live a life that is all about reducing, reducing, and all about just making sure we don't sin. And we don't live a life teaching people that everybody needs to be punished for everything they do. But God, we live a life that says, hey, one day, God's going to redeem all the terrible things in my life. God's going to make everything right. He is going to redeem all my sin. He's going to redeem my shame. He's going to redeem my hurt. He's going to redeem and make things new. And he's going to give me a resurrected life. God, I pray that we would put our hope in that kind of of God and that kind of God is you God I pray you you speak to us thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte North Carolina for more audio and video content visit us at mosaicchurch.tv